I'm super, super, super excited to tell you about my sponsor, Southwest Trading Company. Southwest Trading Company is a native-owned business located at 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you've never been to Southwest Trading Company, you need to go check them out. Right now, if you can, or after this podcast, or during the podcast, but either way, go check that store out. They have a lot of great items from different artists from all around, like jewelry, blankets, art, clothing, cedar boxes, indigenous home decor, car accessories, totes, and so much more. You could spend hours in this store. I'm not kidding. I went to the first time and I think I spent like maybe a couple hours maybe just looking around at everything they have. I mean, it's so unique. If you haven't yet, Southwest Trading Company also has a Facebook page. So if you have not yet, go like it and follow their page to keep up with all new items and events they have going on at the store. Once again, I'm super excited that we get to build together. The location for Southwest Trading Company is 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go check it out, everybody. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Oki Podcast. On this episode, I have indigenous artist Stephen Morales. Yo, yo. Hey, how's it going, brother? And I appreciate you for having me. And uh... yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I know we kind of touched base on that a little while ago, but finally, finally got it going. Uh, happy, happy you got to come on, make some time. I know you're a busy man. Well, I appreciate all that you've been doing for all of our uh, native people, brother. And so, uh, like I said, I would love to be able to help you out too afterwards. So, uh, appreciate all you did. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, bro. For the listeners, let them know you know where you're from, and then growing up was like, sure. And then how you got into art, being an artist. Got well. Growing up, I never considered myself much of an artist at all. You know, uh, I grew up, uh, unfortunately, in a divorced home. And so uh, I lived in between uh, my father living in South Dakota and living in Arkansas and in Oklahoma and Texas. So it was kind of split up between four different uh, states, but uh, I had a very good upbringing uh we didn't have much but um you know whenever you're growing up you never know uh, that you're poor growing up because uh your parents always tell you oh, oh we're rich in love and so that never crossed my mind anything else but but um yeah I grew up uh primarily in between South Dakota and Oklahoma and uh I went into the military uh, after I graduated high school, but again, nothing to do with being an artist, brother. 
you know, and uh, becoming an artist kind of came after uh, something that happened to me in the military. Uh, whenever I first went in, uh, you know, we go in just wanting to do what we do, serve the country, go for college. And then I was wounded in 2006 in Iraq. And um, when I was wounded, I got the Purple Heart and all that stuff. But uh, that's not something that we talked a whole, whole bunch about. But uh, I lost my self-worth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And... Russell, when I mean I lost my self-worth, I mean, brother, I was no longer the person that I was whenever I was in the military, you know? The things I was capable of doing, I wasn't no longer able to do. The things that I was interested in, I was no longer interested in because I wasn't capable of doing it at the same capacity, if that makes sense. And I was lost. And so uh, I made some bad choices, and then I got involved with the VA. And at the VA, brother, is what saved me. I hear a lot of veterans talk about the VA and all this stuff, but brother, uh, the VA, it saved me. And I wasn't going down a good path when I first got out, but uh, through a program called Recreational Art Therapy. And this is what's important I want to touch on, man. Um, You said to talk about how I got into art, right, brother? Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was it. I was uh, I was searching for a new way to find uh, my worth that I had lost, you know. Uh, I was uh, in the military. Uh, I did some things that uh, some things you're proud of, some things you're not proud of. And... Uh, I wanted to run away from what I, what the military made me. So once I got out of the military, I ran to my ceremony. You know, uh, being Sioux uh, and Cherokee, I knew more of the Sioux way than I did the Cherokee way. So I, I ran to Sundance and Sweat Lodge uh, and Naples, you know, and I uh, did it that way. And, uh, even in doing through the ceremonies and everything, I knew that something was still missing because I, that helped me, but it didn't really give me that worth I needed, if that makes sense. And so the VA put me in this program called Recreational Art Therapy after all these uh, PTSD programs and all this other stuff didn't really work for me and medicine and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't doing nothing for me. And so, there was a uh, World War II veteran named Mr. Andy Anderson out of Long Beach, California. And I was living in California at the time uh, where I met my now wife. And uh, I was lost, man, being a country Indian in the big ass, I mean, big city, you know what I mean? Uh, pardon my language. <laughs> oh, you can cuss. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, brother, but I was lost in the city, man. I hated the city. When yeah. I said hated, I mean I hated the city. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was even more lost. And so 
they took me, uh, my wife told me I needed to go to the VA to try and get involved with other veterans to help lift me up because I was out in the city. I didn't have, there wasn't hardly any Indians out there and the Indians that were out there because there's a lot of Indians in California, brother. But I didn't know them because I wasn't from California. You know what I mean? And so it was a disconnect still for me and being a veteran, it was hard. And uh, this World War II veteran, Mr. Andy Anderson, man, he was amazing. And uh, everybody, other artists and jewelers, they like to say, oh, I was taught by a famous uh, other type of Indian silversmith. You know what I mean? But, brother, I wasn't. You know, I was taught, and I'm proud to say I was taught by a white uh, combat veteran, World War II veteran. He taught me how to start on my uh, silversmith, you know, but he didn't just teach me the uh, process of it. what he did is, I don't know if you can see these. Uh, can you see this? Yeah. Well, these right here, this is a raw form of turquoise. And see on the outside, it's kind of rough. It doesn't look like nothing. But then on the inside, when you cut it, that's what exposes the true inside of it. the beauty on the inside that people don't see because of the callousness that is covered on the outside. And the way that Mr. Anderson explained things to me, he had told me that as a veteran and not just veterans, but people in itself, that we are like these rocks that we're rough on the outside until we're polished into what we need to be. And brother, I've been in ceremonies. I've had my elders tell me a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, medicine to us is not just things we partake, but it's stuff that makes you feel good knowledge. It's, Going to you, brother, and saying, man, Russell, I love those shoes. I love those pants, man. You look keen today. That feeling that it gave you, whether if it's temporary, whether how long it lasts, that, tem that temporary feeling, that good feeling that that compliment gave you is medicine for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I took the things that, they, that I learned in my ceremonies, and then I blended it with uh, what he told me about that and it got me lost but not lost in a bad way but almost found and lost in art where that uh, I started off just cutting these stones and uh, I would just cut these stones and make them into cabochons and then I would uh, give those to other artists other jewelers because I didn't know how to do silversmithing yet you know but this was still a uh, piece it was still good medicine for me to make these cut these stones and see someone else use it because it was it was the the good thoughts I had to put into doing this if I was thinking about negative shit then it would mess up the end result of the piece I'm working on does that make sense yeah yeah and so I just dove into that and uh the more I dove into it the less I needed to uh talk about all my shit, all my VA. Now, I still have my problems, but 
that recreational art therapy, it really, really, really helped. You know, and now I try to advocate uh, for recreational art therapy to help not just our veterans dealing with PTSD, but anybody that's dealing with traumatic events or trauma because it helps retrain and refocus your mind on something more productive. And, and I'm going to show you some pictures, brother. I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to be a show and tell, man, but it's all about it, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, this was, can you see that picture pretty good? Yeah, yeah. Well, this one is called PTSD. And this was my first drawing I ever did. And it's not that good, man. I'm not, like I said, I wasn't an artist. Like, uh, it just became medicine for me. It, it became something that helped me express the shit that I was going through or that I, that I didn't want to talk to people about, that, but wanted people to still understand, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, this right here, I don't know if you can see the image clear, but this the this now has been used by a lot of VA to help uh, uh, connect with other Native veterans and even non-Native veterans to explain how it is with PTSD. But as a soldier, or even as a non-soldier, anybody dealing with anxiety and stress and PTSD. This is my story, brother, where the, this was the Middle East. And uh, this is where I flatlined, where I got wounded in uh, 2006. This right here is my heart rate. This is when it goes flat, when I flatlined, and then when it came back right here. I don't know if you can see it. Mm -hmm. But uh, this was our Sundance up in... Uh, in green grass, uh, Sundance grounds up in uh, South Dakota that uh, I went to and it helped me heal. And I went through my uh, my journey as a sun dancer. And these are my uh, my grandfather singing to me in an anipi or a sweat to try and help us heal coming back from uh, war and coming back. And then this is my uh, peaceful place. But what this was, was this idea was Mr. Anderson didn't just teach me silversmith and he taught me a different concept to look at things. And he helped me do this the first piece where he told me to put it down on paper. And when he told me to put it down on paper, it was another veteran. It wasn't a veteran psychiatrist, a doctor. It wasn't nothing like that. Mr. Anderson, what happened, he was wheelchair-bound, Russell, and he donated all of his silversmithing and lapidary, which lapidary is stone-cutting. He donated all of it to the Long Beach, California Veterans Hospital, and he volunteered his time to go in there and teach veterans silversmithing and stone-cutting lapidary art just because it helped heal him from his PTSD and he knew that it would help others. And so I pride myself in learning from a veteran who helped, you know. But this explains what we go through. And this is supposed to be a self-portrait. Like I said, I'm not the best drawer, but it's talking about how our world's on fire or storm and drowning all at once, even when we're at peace. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh 
whenever I started doing these, Mr. Anderson at first, he the first thing he ever told me to do, he said, uh, just put it down on paper first and let's see. And I remember this older man uh, being in a chair and he wasn't able to uh, do the same techniques as he once was, but he still had his uh, brain to talk us through. You know what I mean? And so he was able to teach us not with his hands on, but through his way, his mouth telling us, no, you're doing that wrong. No, you're doing, no, you need to do it this way. Cut it at this angle. You need to file it this way. You need to lay that solder this way. And so Mr. Anderson of Combat Bedroom Brother, he taught me to use my art as therapy as recreational art therapy, almost as medicine for myself. And that's why, that's what got me into it. That's why I mean, I just started doing those and I don't draw much. I don't do none of that, but it just kind of went from there where the, I started trying to do pieces that would be more distinct and tell stories for uh, our people. And that became my therapy. I don't know if you can still, if you can see these or not, brother. Yeah, I see. But I just started doing, I just ran into art as my therapy. You know, I mean, Honesty is the best key. So to be honest with you, you know, uh, I used to have a problem with alcohol and all that other problems, you know, and uh, and because of that, again, I credit everything to Mr. Andy Anderson, and he's 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 journeyed on now. But uh, like I said, he wasn't native; he was a uh, Caucasian uh, World War II veteran. But uh, he he gave me teachings and stuff that lasts. He, and coupled with uh, what I learned with my Sundance, our Sundance, not my Sundance, our Sundance and our ceremonies and stuff, it it helps me kind of cancel out stuff. And so, where I'm not proud of a lot of things I did in the past. Whenever I make a piece of jewelry or something like this is stick balls, and this right here is a gorget with stick ball players, a one fire and a fish that's on top of our stick ball poles. But when I do these things in my mind, and whether if it makes sense to other people or not, and I'm not trying to sound rough, but that's what helps me. And so, when I see a smile from someone, that's opposite of what someone in the military while we're serving are used to doing when we're doing work overseas. We're not, we don't put smiles on people's faces too much. And, and this is real talk. I'm trying, I'm telling you real stuff. And so to combat my own mental health stuff with things that I did and things that I had to do and stuff, I do uh, my art and like, from, and I want to be straight. I, I mean, I try to keep it separate too. Like, uh, 
I'm a veteran no matter what, but as an artist, the reason why I got into jewelry and my art is through another veteran teaching me to use that as a coping mechanism. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so some people sometimes may uh, throw salt or be like, oh, well, he's using his veteran status or whatever to do his jewelry. And you said I can cuss, so I'll say that's bullshit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What it is, is I'm a veteran no matter what. And I never knew I was going to be an artist. Uh, but this has became a very good medium to help me heal myself from things. Because even me doing something like this, where it's something, a piece of jewelry, a bolo, I'm not thinking of anything bad when I'm doing these. I'm not thinking of anything negative. And so I almost keep my mind and it sounds, my wife picks on me saying we can't live like that, but I still try, but I try to keep almost utopitarian type, you know, where, and it don't make sense. I know, but that's just how I am, brother. Mm-hmm. But that's how I got involved in uh, doing jewelry, man, was, as a form to uh, help myself with recreational uh, art therapy to combat my PTSD. I think it's important. You know, I I think everybody needs to find something like that because we're not just meant to work for somebody else. Right. Like, at least I don't believe so. And all these different things in life is full of stress and, and just like depression and i mean there's so many factors that go into mental health i mean and it's i and i love that you found like what you wanted to do and i mean it helped i mean like you love doing it but it also helped you with your PTSD. don't get me wrong but yeah i i I, i'm i'm working it's a daily thing but i don't I'm not at the same level of suffering as I once was, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that, I mean, that goes for everybody, too. Like, we all have traumatic past or whatever, whatever it was, you know. And, I mean, with me, you know, like, I have, like, I have shitty mental health. And so that's why I have to stay consistently busy in order to keep my mind right. You know, Thank like, you. I mean, that's just how it goes. But right, I mean that. Bro. But I mean that's what I love, though. Like people find what they never thought they'd be doing, but it helps them cope with whatever it is, you know. And I mean that's everybody that comes on here, you know. They're they're happy with, with what they're doing, you know. It makes them feel good. It gives them good medicine. It brings them good vibes. Whatever, you know. Like every time I talk to somebody, you know, I feel like it's it is good medicine, you know, because. I could have like a horrible day, but then when I get to talk to somebody and it, it just kind of, I forget about my day, you know, and I forget about, I just have fun. You know, this is fun. Where are you at? Are you? I'm in my house in my living room right now. Do you live here in Oklahoma? Yeah, in Okmulgee. Oh, oh yeah. I remember you told me that. Yeah. yeah. But I stay out here in Okmulgee. Uh, we, uh, just moved out here about 
to I think four months ago or so uh, to uh, we're trying not to be that nomadic Indians who always move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I remember you told me that. Do you remember? Do you remember when we first met? It was uh, dang, was that already a year ago at that Route sixty six in Catusa? Remember that? Yeah, I remember, brother. And then we seen each other again recently at the, uh, I think it was the Muskogee Art Market. Yeah, yeah. It's always good to see you, man. You've been doing good things too, brother. I've been following you. Yeah, I remember when we first met, and that was like when I first started the podcast, and I had like no idea where it would go. I was just doing it. I was just like putting it on and stuff, and and I remember we met. Was that last summer? Or like, yeah, yep. And you see how crazy that is, man. We don't know the direction life's going to take us, we just gotta let it go sometimes. I know, like, because I went there and I've never been to there, I've never been to that place, but it was really cool to see all these artists there and everything. And then running into you, you were in that room. And then you gave me, I think we exchanged cards. Or maybe I didn't have a card at that time, but you gave me a card. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, I think a month later, man, I got, like, stacked with stuff. I remember I, like, started uh, commentating for football. And then I started working with our language program. And then I got, like, so caught up with, like, a bunch of other stuff. But it was cool, man. It was really cool. But I'm glad we linked back up at the uh, Muskogee Art Market. That was really cool. Yeah, it was good to see you. Man, that was good. They did a great job with that one, didn't they? Yeah. And that was the first one, right? Yeah, that was an inaugural. That was the very first one, man. And I seen, uh, I was looking you up, but I seen you were also into uh, MMA before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a dang. When was that? About eleven years ago. Yeah, Yeah. I I used to do. uh, I was a Krav Maga instructor, and I had a gym in uh, Arkansas, in Monticello, Arkansas, Mm -hmm. and called uh, Israeli Krav Maga and uh, Combat Jiu Jitsu, and then. Man, you start getting older and stuff, you're like, oh, I'm not interested in that stuff as much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's it takes a it takes a big toll like on your body. Cause I remember I didn't know what MMA was. I just thought it was wrestling and you threw some punches in and that was it. Right. And then when I actually did it, man, it was like an it was it was humbling because I got tossed around. I got choked out. It was therapeutic, too, wasn't it? It was, man. It was because I didn't, at that time, too, like I didn't know what I was going to do after leaving school. Right. And I was just, yeah. And then I, and I just didn't want to work. And so I, I, I just Googled MMA gym in Santa Fe. And that was the first one that popped up. And so I went there, talked to everybody, and it was cool. And damn, man, I stuck around for about three years. I got my blue belt, but they always say they always say when you get your blue belt, 
it's the blue belt curse because you end up you end up to, you end up stop going Staying at it and quitting and don't go back. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I know that curse. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think that that's what I was getting into it too. But it was more so because uh, I had got certified a lot through the uh, military while I was still active duty. I went different places and I trained and got certifications through the. Uh, KMAA, which mm. is Crop God Association of America and the IKMF. But, brother, it got to a point, like you were saying, man, that uh, you start getting older, your heart's not into it like it was. And, and I was using that for my therapy. And so I have a few friends now that are into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu still that uh, – as soldiers, veterans coming out, that they got into that the same way as we were, but they used that as their therapy, you know. And I know uh, some people, they're like, oh, how is that therapeutic? Well, because it makes them feel good. You know, they're not actually, when they're training, they're not hurting people seriously. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But it, like you explained it best earlier, man, it was something humbling and therapeutic and I know it's hard for certain people to understand but to get tossed around and throw, you know <laughs> and be able to <laughs> toss other people around and throw them around it was fun <laughs> well it's like the it's the it's basically the community that you that you're a part of I think because you're at this gym and me being from here in Oklahoma it was more of like I didn't know anybody outside of II, and this is like my first time, like being out in the city by myself, living on my own, meeting new people that weren't fully like on native at II, and so this gym had just a bunch of people, killers, and I mean it was a. If if you're not ready, like if you have a big ego then it's probably not going to be for you, but you kind of just have to let, you just have to let that go. And then know that you're, you're like, you don't know anything. Like you don't know how to throw a proper punch. You don't know how to choke someone out. You don't know how to take somebody's back. You don't know how to take down somebody. And I mean, like you will learn, you just have to keep going. And I hated it at first. Like I really wanted to quit, but when I say community, I say community because they helped me not quit. Like they just helped me keep going, keep being consistent. You're going to get better. You're not going to learn this stuff overnight. Like jujitsu is a hard. It helped you feel a little better too, because you'd see your progress, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I, I just went every day. I went like, Let's see. My schedule was like I'd get off work at 6 a.m. I'd go do CrossFit over there at 7 a.m. I'd go home and sleep. And then I'd probably wake up, depending on how tired I was, like in the middle of the afternoon. And I'd run like a mile or two. I'd go to sleep again. And then at around 5 or 6, I'd go to the gym and do jiu-jitsu and striking and all that. And then I'd go to work, and I'd do it all over again. And so with that, every day... You know, like it's fun, it's new, you're making new friends, you're going out, you don't really watch UFC anymore because you're doing it. But then, I don't know, 
I think I wanted to do it for the wrong reasons because I wanted I wanted to get famous from it. Like I wanted to get signed to the UFC. I wanted like all this like fame and glory. And that's not what it's about. You know, it's about just enjoying it, being passionate about it and loving it. And I fell out of love because I started getting injured and it and it just felt like it wasn't worth it because I was like if I break my arm or I snap my leg, something goes terribly wrong. Like I don't have anything to pay for that. Like, like I, like I'm just going to be out like SOL. So I just, I said, let me take a break for a little bit. And then a break became like a month, six months, a year. Now it's, damn, it's been about 11 years since I've no nine years since I've been on like any kind of mat or anything do jujitsu. Dude, man, we're almost same, but I think I'm pushing almost seven, eight years myself. You know, and uh, like those pictures I sent you in PM, I still keep those as a reminder. I used to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's proof. You know how it is. I, that was back in the day, back when I was younger. You know? <laughs> but yeah, but it was fun, you know. I mean, yeah. it was a whole, it was a whole nother. Uh, chapter in life that we did and I think to be honest I think that I was using that for my therapy because uh if I didn't once I started transitioning from that it went into art and then I was like okay well I didn't care about that no more you know it was almost uh, it replaced uh art and stuff replaced that for me because then I was like well shoot I can do this and ain't got to worry about sitting there uh, getting tapped out or sitting there <laughs> or keeping my stuff uh, covered at all times. You know, I can do this and it's still just as therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't have to worry about. Oh, have you ever. I remember the last injury I got was I jammed my toe into the mat. Ooh. My big toe because we're doing king of the mat and like we're going hard and i don't know how i did it but my big toe just smashes right into the freaking mat and oh my god i thought i broke it i don't know if i did or not it hurt so bad and i was like i can't go to the doctor i can't (laughs) i just got to tough it out so you i I can't let him know i gotta go doctor right (laughs) i went to the whole class like with that toe Oh, it hurt so bad. Oh my god. And when that... about something embarrassing. Man, I was in the army and uh I was stationed at Fort Richardson, Alaska. And that's outside of Anchorage, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And they had something called AFC, the Alaska Fighting Championship at Solon Arena. Uh-huh. And I thought that uh and we were over there and I had won one fight, you know, and then only on my second fight uh, there, uh, I thought I was going to do good, but I had already had back injuries. Brother, and this is the embarrassing part, man. I tapped without them even putting in uh any holds. All they did, brother, is uh I had accidentally gave up my back and he had put their hooks in, and I had guarded my neck like this you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i had tucked my chin and was guarding my neck in case they tried to shoot in to grab my neck i could flip them over off of but all he did brother is he just put in his hooks in my legs and straightened my legs out and when it did it made my back kind of 
bow like this mm -hmm. and I wind up tapping, you know, and uh, for the longest, I was, that bothered me, <laughs> to be honest with you, man, because, uh, I mean, we were doing stand-up and I was doing okay, and then we went to the ground and I thought I was doing good until he, he didn't even get his hand around me. He just put his hooks in and flattened me out and made my back go like that. And that's all it took. And I tapped. And after that, I knew I'm not fighting no more. I was so fucking pissed, bro. <laughs> I was so, I'm still pissed off about it a little bit, you know? <laughs> but yeah, that, that was my moment realizing, okay, I'm not fighting no more because I got, I lost that match without him even doing a submission on me, brother. Mm -hmm. Just caused my back injury, you know, and he made my back bow from putting his hooks in from my rear mount. And I was like, well, shit, if I tap that fast and I ain't doing it no more, I'm not embarrassing myself again, you know? <laughs> oh, man. That's how I learned. And that was when I quit uh, actually uh, fighting. But then uh, I started moving to instructing and teaching more. And then when I was in Arkansas, uh, we had that gym where that, uh, it was a combat jiu-jitsu where that it was a cross between Gracie, Royce Gracie, uh, Braha jiu-jitsu, which is what we're trained in in the Army, mm -hmm. in Army combatives. And then it was a cross between that and in uh, BB, Arkansas, there was a man who he started a form called combat jiu-jitsu. And my mind just, I just had a brain fart. And I forgot the name of the man. And so Weber, there you go. Boom, got it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but uh, uh, he, his name was uh, Sensei Weber. And he uh, was the one that started the combat jiu-jitsu. And he was a former uh, Army Ranger. And so he used uh, the Royce Gracie broad jiu-jitsu that's uh, taught as Army combatives in the Army. He used that and coupled it with uh, what he knew and came up with combat jiu-jitsu. And so that one picture I showed you where you've seen the combat jiu-jitsu logo in the back of the gym, mm -hmm. that's, where, uh, that's where he was used to do. And I tell you, like you said, you think you know a little bit until you get in there and then you're like, okay, I don't know shit. And you just need to remember, I don't know shit. Don't go in there any other way because you get schooled anywhere you go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know how that is. <laughs> I don't know, man. Man, man. It was a fun time, though. And I mean, right. where, did, where did you train at when you took, uh, when you took your fights? Whenever I took, I was in the army at the uh, Fort Richardson, Alaska. And so we had oh, a okay. uh, fight club out of Fort Richardson, Alaska. Our instructor was uh, Sergeant First Class Richard Self. Mm. And so he had the army combatives team where that uh, all it was, was we went through and we uh, went there. And then after hours, after our combatives training, we'd go back over there and mess around. And he would sponsor us to go in over there. And I only did those two uh, fights there in Alaska whenever I was stationed out of Fort Richardson. And then uh, we started training people from there. And then I opened the gym with a buddy of mine named Clint Armstrong in Monticello. 
And Clint, he was already a black belt in uh, jiu-jitsu and uh, had a little bit of uh, taekwondo experience. And then I was a, a black belt in uh, Krav Maga and I used to teach uh, Krav Maga while in the service. And so we had sat there and started just using that and put it together. And we came up with C-Art uh, MMA. And we had that for a few years. And then, uh, man, I don't know. It's just, I got kind of phased out. You know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it, you know, but uh, I got older and I just, it was fun for me still, but you know what it was, I'll tell you what it was. Um, there was a student that we had taught that, whenever you're doing that kind of stuff, you, you're also responsible for the people you're training. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And when you train somebody and they go out and they be a little asshole, it still comes back on you. And there's a kid and I won't say his name because that's wrong, but uh, he was, we didn't know he was a bully, but he bullied and he broke somebody's arm. And so that pissed me off that, uh, I took cause to me, it made me feel kind of guilty, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I felt like that I taught him how to do that. And instead of, cause I was an instructor more in the service, man. And so most of my instruct, my instructing was uh, with experience with soldiers, grown men, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I would teach uh, soldiers, we'd, we'd go over that. So I didn't really have, to be honest with you, any experience teaching uh, kids, and I can admit that, you know, I didn't have it. I knew how to train anybody, but I didn't know how to uh, limit what needed to be taught and what didn't need to be taught, if that makes sense. And after that, I realized it didn't, that I messed up a little, even though it wasn't on us and the gym is still there. And uh, Clint Armstrong runs it. He's doing great. He's doing awesome. But uh, I stepped back because uh, I guess my other mental health issues I had already, you know, mm -hmm. I have what they call a moral injury. And I can talk about it now. Or I don't care, you know, because I've done, I've came to terms, but because of my moral injury, uh, which is wrong with me for things that I witnessed or did that went against my own morals. When that happened with uh, that young man from one of our students and he broke that kid, that kid's arm, it added to it and it kind of just pissed me off that uh, in a way in my mind that I, I took part in that kid doing that even though I didn't because I taught him it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I just, that was my reason I backed away from that, you know, and with art, man, with my jewelry, I can't, I'm, there's no way to piss people off. You know I mean? Maybe I can one way or another, but I haven't found it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went to the safest way because like I said earlier, I don't like drama, man. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't talk about my military stuff. I'm not one of them. Uh, I'm the current commander of the Cherokee Nation's color guard, and I'm proud of it. But outside of that, I don't talk about my military stuff. 
I don't I don't want to be known as a high school quarterback. Those people that they live their life, their whole life through what they did uh, when they were younger. You know what I mean? So outside of my color guard uniform, people aren't going to be seeing me wearing my veteran stuff, scream and look at me for attention. And I don't mean nothing by that, but this is just who I am, Russell. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't want that. Uh, I don't want that. I mean, I don't know how to say it, but um, we all, when we go in and service brother, we serve for our own reasons, but nobody's reason for serving is to to have somebody to feel entitled to have their ass kissed, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm sounding rough and all, and that sounds bad, but I'm being honest. You know, uh, I don't want to be known for what I did back in the day. I want to be known for what we are doing today. You know what I mean? Yeah, living in the moment. Exactly, because I'm not proud of a lot of stuff I did in my past. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why you said earlier, man, you stay, you keep yourself so busy, brother. Same here, man. I keep myself so busy so that I don't have to think of any of the bad stuff or so I don't have to think or uh, worry about any negative stuff. And that sounds weird, but I keep myself constant going. You know, I stay involved with either Code Guard or I'm involved with a uh, workforce development organization, the Arkansas Indian Center in Little Rock. And I'm the co-chair for that. And so uh, I try and just keep myself involved and put a hat over here, a hat over here, a hat over there. Because if you keep your mind on all these things, then you don't have time for none of that bad shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's how I do it. And so when you said that that's what you did, brother, or you said you just stay so busy, I understood, man, because that's almost what I did. Yeah. Yeah, it helps. It helps. Yeah, like you said, it just keeps your mind occupied. 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 I don't even think that's a word. Occupied yeah. off of all that. <laughs> off all that, you know, just bad stuff, you know, like, I mean. And it, I don't know. It took a while for me to understand that to just try something new but be passionate about it don't give up don't quit you know like with like with jiu-jitsu I, I i say like i quit you know i quit because but i just i just fell out of love with it i guess you know i just i just didn't feel the same when i first found it you know it just well, became you quit, then you didn't quit brother mm-hmm. and and so to help you understand brother if you because if that was the case, then we can look at it that every little hobby that we ever started or every little thing that you wanted to do that you quit. It's not all the time about quitting. If you lose interest in it, that's not the same as quitting, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you love something, sometimes the things that we care for, our feelings about those change. You know what I mean? And that don't make it, that don't mean that you quit it. It just means that uh, things have shifted. 
in your mm-hmm. life and you got to go with it. You know, because if you get hung up on it, then that's going to keep you from going forward. And so you just go with it. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. It was a time to just leave that. Leave, leave jiu-jitsu, I guess, because, oh, why well, forget too? see, we moved back here in Oklahoma and my brother had a gym in Tahlequah and I hadn't trained for like a year. And I said, and he's like, man, come train, you know, we'll, we'll get it, we'll get it going again. And, you know, and I was like, all right, you know, like, let's do it. Let's, uh, let's get it going. And so we start training, trained for about three weeks. I'm feeling good. Feeling like, you know, uh, just how I felt when I first started. I love it again, man. And then I, I tear my calf muscle. And I felt like, oh, my God. You know, because at first, like, like if I need surgery, I'm screwed. Like, I don't have money to get surgery. And then I can't walk now. Like, I, we just moved here, and I can't, like, walk. I can't work. And I'm already like behind in bills and stuff too. And I, it was just like all this, like this crazy pressure and like stress just rained down on me at that moment. All at once. All at once. And I was like, fuck, you know, and I started crying. You know, I had my brother and I was crying because I was like, it wasn't because it was hurting. It was because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how I was going to pay this and pay that. And then like, if I, if I ended up going to the hospital, what the final verdict would be on like my leg and, oh man, it just, it just put me in a, in a sad mindset. And I was like, man, it, it made it hit me hard for like a week. And I just had to, luckily we're staying with him, but I still had to pay my car and stuff. And I was trying to figure out how to do that. And I, I couldn't walk, so I couldn't find a job and man, it was a tough time. But I got better, luckily. I didn't need surgery. Um, I just had to be careful, wrap it, stay off of it as much as I could. And and it, it got better. But, yeah, that was like – that was that was my – I forgot about that. That was my last time, though, like training. And that was in 2014. See, but I get it. I mean, shoot. You think it, where you think you were disappointed because you got injured in training and that upset you? Because I know, man, one of my students that, and this is, I trained uh, that Clint Armstrong was one of my students that I trained, you know, and then he became an instructor and we were sparring one day. And brother, it's funny, but it is what it is. But, you know, he he got me, you know what I mean? And he choked me out and I tapped, but uh, he choked me out and he did it so damn fast because I was trying to get <laughs> you know, but uh, my throat hurt afterwards for like for almost a week. Mm-hmm. You ever had that happen? No. <laughs> yeah. He like, because we were going pretty hard and he said there and he got me and he, he choked it. He torqued on it. So it felt like he bruised my damn trachea. It hurt to swallow. It, it sucked for almost a week, and that was probably the last, <laughs> the last time I really full fledged trained too, man. So it kind of bothered me too. And 
when you're not able to swallow real much, you're like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and he was one of my students, too, so it kind of took a shot to my ego, too, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> at least I'm being honest, but, you know, she, at least I showed, I showed him good because he, he got me. What my He choked me out. <laughs> got caught. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know what you did to, man. It don't matter, man. You could be trained, all that stuff. It only takes you to slip up. Just yeah. one little slip up and you'd be uh, against a buddy who knows the same you do and they take advantage of that one mistake. Any of us can make it against it, you know? Mm. Especially jiu-jitsu. It's <laughs> Man, jiu-jitsu. It's a, it's a chess game. It really is. Because I remember uh, we would purposely uh, do stuff to someone like we would grab them. So they would purposely grab us so that it would put their hands in a position that we could put them in. Mm-hmm. But even though we would temporarily put ourselves in a position so they would grab it, we'd be able to, you know, <laughs> it was fun, man. But like it was chess. You know, and I'm definitely not as limber, I think, as I used to. I remember uh, telling my son and talking to him and showing him some of the exercises where we would uh, get on our head and we would walk it over and then uh, kick our legs over. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was an old wrestling technique to stretch your neck out. And, brother, I tried to do that in front of my son a few weeks ago. And I know this is global, but I don't care, man. But, man, I almost felt like I broke my neck. Oh, my God. <laughs> I busted my ass and I was like, okay, Stephen, you can't do what you used to do. Just leave that shit alone. <laughs> I was sitting here thinking, like, when you're explaining it, I was like, I'm not even going to try that. I know what you're talking about. I'm not even going to try it. It's where you start off on your back. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you stretch your, your neck back. back. Yeah. And you got to arch your back and walk around. And once you get to a certain point, you got to kick your leg over and it stretches your knee, your uh, neck. Yeah. And I was trying to teach him that like an idiot until I did that. And I was like, okay, yeah. And he was like, Dad, you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. Just go play <laughs> video games. Leave me alone for a second. <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh, let me get up. Just go. Don't bring more attention to it. You know. <laughs> Don't point oh it out. Oh my god! On the ground, hurting. Damn it! You know. Are you okay? Just laying there. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Leave me alone. Don't point it out. You know? <laughs> yeah. Give me some water. There you go. <laughs> Bring me a blanket and a pillow if I'm here yeah. too long. <laughs> I'm, just gonna, right. I'm just gonna chill out down here. Um, oh yeah. Give me a and blanket. Nowadays, you know, whenever you would uh, get a little injury when you were younger, you pop back up faster. Yeah, yeah. I miss those days. Man, <laughs> I felt toe injury lasted a while. Didn't it? I last year, I was getting gas and I tripped over the the freaking. Uh, the uh the gas line i guess or the yeah the hose yeah yeah. i tripped over that landed straight on my knee and oh my god i haven't felt on the concrete i haven't felt pain like that in a long time 
And oh my God, I got up and I felt like my knee was smashed in. I thought I shattered it and I was like, oh, great. Like, and oh my God, it hurt. And so, finished pumping I'm my gas. hearing you explain it. <laughs> finished pumping my gas. I put the thing back in. And then, right when I'm about to leave, that lady comes out and she was like, sir, are you okay? She's like, we seen you on the camera fall. And I was like, oh God. I was like, yeah, I think I'm all right. I was like, it was my fault. Like, I tripped over the hose. And you all know, like, hey, uh, make sure you delete that camera. Yeah. Don't be putting that shit on YouTube. Don't, don't put that on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, don't be doing no stupid shit, man. <laughs> I, might, I, might, I might be viral somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> but... Steve, uh, we probably, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm doing stupid shit too, man. But she but goes. As long as we don't see it, we can keep denying it, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's not me. No, but she, get, uh, she said, uh, you need an ice pack or do you need an ambulance? And I was like, no, I'm good. And she's like, well, let me get you an ice pack. And man, my knee was like throbbing so hard. And I was like, oh, I just want to get home, man. I just want to elevate it and ice it. So I waited on her. She got me a little ice pack and I was like, all right, thank you, man. I, I pulled in. I don't live like three minutes away from that gas station. I pulled in, bro. And oh, it hurts to lift my leg out of the fucking car. Damn. Oh man, it was already swelling up. Oh my god! And then I came in the house, and I got me a, a bag of uh, a baggie of ice, and I went and, like I propped my leg up and I put the ice on it. And man, it hurts so bad. And then when my wife got home, maybe a couple hours later, dude, I shit you not. It looked like a fucking goose egg or an ostrich egg was in my knee. Like that's how that's how big the swelling got. And when I was like, hurts, "Man, you can't put no pressure on it. It hurts to walk. It gets all stiff and shit." Oh man! Oh my god! And then she was like, "Do we go to the hospital?" And I was like, "I don't know. Give me a couple of days." Luckily, it started going down, and then it got okay. But man, it hurt. Like, it still hurts every now and again, but I think it took a full year to, like, not, like, tighten up a lot to stay you loose. No. No, it's, it's like, I, I was looking up, like, a shattered knee, and everything's still there. I mean, it, it, it feels perfectly fine, but right now it's normal. Like, it's normal now. It's just when it rains, it hurts a little bit, you know, because yeah, it gets it's, cold out there, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, the wintertime sucked. I was like, it got so tight, but it's good, dude. It's 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 good now. Like I I was like, give me a couple of days if it doesn't go down or if it gets worse, then yeah, let's go to the hospital. But the second day I was able to put the the second day though, I was able to put weight on it and everything, so it was good. And I was like, I think I'm good. Just uh I can't fall again. <laughs> But if I was a kid, I would have just got right back up. Walkers with the tennis balls on the bottom of. Oh, yeah! I thought I was gonna need one of those, but but yeah, if I was a kid, I would have probably just got right back up and not even worried about it. (laughs) Right, right. Oh man, I hope I never do that again. That was pretty I scary. Remember a few, uh, I think almost a month ago with that snow when we had all that damn snow and ice. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, we were just moving in, and my dumbass tried to walk out. I was telling my wife, and got on all them, and all this going the house, babe. It's too slippery. Don't want y'all to fall. I got my boots on. I'm not going to fall. You know what I think? Man, I swear it felt like when I hit that ground, I slid and kept sliding because the ice in my driveway is kind of at a slope. And uh, I stepped out on the ice. My feet went up in the air, hit that back, and just kept sliding down and on. My wife said all she heard for uh, about a minute or two is me just yelling and cussing at everything. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I was hurting there for a little while, man. But I almost did that, too. I almost slipped on ice, and I luckily I caught myself. Luckily, I, I, I did the whole home alone thing where he's, like, slipping, and he, he pauses, and he stays still for, like, a second or two. Uh-huh. I caught myself. Hey, you did. I bet you you can roller skate, though, huh? So you're good at doing that. I can't roller skate either, so I'm screwed. It's been a while <laughs> since I've roller skated, but uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try it. I, I can't afford it. Oh no! <laughs> I, man, I was that kid holding on to the side the whole time, and my buddies would be trying to grab me to pull me off. I'd be, you wait till I get these off. Be crawling off to the side. <laughs> I suck at skating, man. But when you go do it at a school trip, they make everybody skate. I know, right? Yeah. And you I don't even like skating. <laughs> no, I'll just, I'll just chill over here. You got any uh, anything coming up? Yeah, we've been working on uh, Red Earth. It's an art show uh, oh, coming man. up. And it's this year, it's going to be at the... Uh, cowboy western museum and so what i've been trying to do uh with my art and stuff i try to do stuff that gives a little bit more of a southeastern flair because uh you know as a jeweler a lot of people they uh have that uh southwest style you know what i mean mm-hmm. So I try to focus my art and my jewelry on creating things that don't look anything Southwest that tells the stories of the Southeastern and the Sioux. And so these are uh, my hand-rolled clay beads. I don't know if you can see that right there, brother. Mm. There we go. Nice. I don't know. That's probably all zoomed in too close and shit. But uh, these are basically red clay that was done uh, in the same pattern or same fashion that traditionally was done when they roll it with their hand and then fire it outside. And so I did those with uh, red clay and then all of these are silver beads that I made all my silver beads uh, and then engraved them. And so the Southwest has uh, their, the Navajos have their Navajo beads, they're like balls almost. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to, I got inspired with that, but I wanted to create my own kind of beads that didn't look Southwest. And so with mine, I'll do these Southeastern beads where uh, they're still pure silver, but I engrave them and I make them a little bit more concave. And then I mix that with, uh, so this piece is silver and it's uh, clay beads. 
And so I try to make it, and I joke and say, all my stuff is a uh, Indian size too. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> we make them where they fit all sizes. You know, I mean, even my <laughs> wife, my wife, she's a uh, textile artist, mm-hmm. and so she does uh, ribbon skirts. And uh, when we do our shows, we always make jokes. And uh, we're like, oh, and don't worry, all of her ribbon skirts and stuff, uh, they stretch to fit Indian size, and everybody laughs. <laughs> we don't do the little small stuff, really. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was real happy about, uh, and see, you'll be the first one to see if I can find the ring. I don't do a whole lot of rings too much, only because... Man, I stay stuck doing rings. If you do them a little bit, you stay stuck doing them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I did, uh, and I'll probably post the pictures on uh, my Facebook later, but I did a stickball stick uh, ring. And so this is my stickball stick uh, pendant that has uh, the turquoise in it and the stickball sticks. Uh and this kind of stuff, you know, you don't see people do our stories and jewelry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's what my goal was. I wanted to tell tell those stories in our pieces, brother. So we have the Red Earth uh, art show coming up. And uh, I believe it's the end of June and beginning of July at the Cowboy and uh, Indian uh, Western Heritage Museum in Oklahoma City. Hopefully we get to go. I don't know yet. Man, I sure hope you do, man. I know uh, it's a big, good uh, experience to go and uh, see everybody. Uh, Red Earth is one of the larger ones in the state of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the largest ones. Yeah, I think it's the biggest one in Oklahoma. What They, they have all these artists, artists that uh, usually compete and do shows throughout the whole U.S. at different uh, shows that we go to, Santa Fe, uh, Colorado, all over. We'll do different shows, but then we all come together for uh, Red Earth, and it's uh, it's it's neat because a lot of us are we're friends, and so uh, we see each other back then, and that COVID kind of put a damper on everything where a lot of uh, the artists had to learn how to do online where that a lot of us at first, uh, you remember the the old old school uh, artists of the Southwest where the, you would hear people going and go and take a trip to New Mexico where hell used to live in New Mexico and they would just set a blanket up and just have all their art just sit up mm. at a blanket on the side of a road or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that uh, back then before COVID, uh, we weren't like that here in Oklahoma by no means. You know, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of powwows, there were shows, there was so much different stuff that we could go and we could do as avenues to sell our artwork or even see people. And then uh, once COVID happened, man, a lot of us that don't that aren't that techie, I mean, I, I suck at tech technology stuff, man. And so uh, we had to learn how to do online stuff where the before COVID, man, I did a little bit of Facebooking, but uh, I didn't really care about Facebook that much. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, because I was like, man, Facebook's just a way for people to be nosy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then I, the more, whenever you uh, do business, like in your business and my business and uh, this type of stuff we do, Facebook becomes the primary uh, advertising and marketing source. Yeah. And so I started having to learn all this stuff and do it. And I'm still learning, but I just downloaded that Zoom app a few months ago learning that. So. <laughs> <laughs> it confuses me too. Sometimes I'm like, oh man, what am I doing? <laughs> I know, right? The Zoom was, it was, uh, it was confusing me too because I never used it. And I, I figured like, well, I guess I do need it because, you know, people out of state come on and it's just, it's just easier. But when I first logged in, I, I didn't know where I was going on that thing. And I was like, how do you start a meeting? But I just had to, I, I think I watched a YouTube video. So yeah, usually yeah. That's, how I, that's how I do it. I just go on YouTube. <laughs> it's right there. I had to watch a YouTube video before this Zoom uh, conference today. Because when I opened it up, it had uh, an outer space background on me. And I couldn't figure out how to take it out from outer space. I'm like, man, what is this? And I was pushing everything. (laughs) (laughs) It had me in outer space. Had you out there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but yeah, I mean, that's what social media is too. Like, when you're not doing much with it, it's just kind of there. But once you start, trying to market yourself and branding yourself like it helps it's a big help i'm so be careful with that too because whenever we do it uh you market it and brand yourself i mean it that's real hard to do like i'm still learning you know because i don't even know you know we don't know we're marketing and branding ourselves i mean it's weird to talk like that or to talk but you know I joke with my wife and say, shoot, I'm I'm just a resi Indian. I'm I'm just pushing, brother. I'm just hustling. You know, I don't yeah. that's all I'm doing, you know, and uh that's all it is, brother. You know, we ain't but we are marketing, we are advertising ourselves. But when you and I think that's a big thing to help uh people too, because as natives some of us don't realize that's what we are doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because we're not good at that. Uh, nobody is good at talking about themselves. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it, and so we don't know what that self-marketing and all that stuff is. And so we just hustle and just figure it out. And it's okay, well, shoot, well, this is what we do. This is what we do, well, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> that's how I did that, it. <laughs> that's how I did it too. And I know that there was people saying, "Oh, well, did you take a class for marketing all that?" I'm like, "Hell no, mm-hmm. shit." That class we took was called Life. We just figured it out. But I would watch people on Facebook. Truthfully, I would watch uh, other artists, mm-hmm. and I'd watch how they marketed themselves. Like uh, when I started doing uh, silversmithing, uh, the first show that ever actually helped me out, brother, was Red Earth. And uh, I remember when I first started doing jewelry, the first show I ever entered in, um, I didn't know what to do, brother. I didn't think my wife was the one uh, that made me enter in and it was the Cherokee art market. 
And I'm not saying nothing about the Cherokee art market bad or nothing at all, brother. But I will say that at first, when I first, the only time I ever entered in, and this was like, oh man, like I think 2018 or something like years ago, uh, I had thought Cherokee art market, not knowing nothing about art markets, brother. I was green in the scene, not knowing nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I thought it saying Cherokee art market was supposed to be Cherokee art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like Muskogee and uh, like Santa Fe Indian art market, I thought that was all Southwest Indian art. You know what I mean? I didn't know no better. Yeah. Okay. That's what it was. And so whenever just being, well, I joke and say a little resi Indian, you know what I mean? I didn't know about that. So I, did, I grew up poor, brother. So uh, I didn't know about art markets. I didn't grow up in art markets. I didn't go up. I didn't go to an art college. I didn't know none of that, man. And so I had no idea what an art market was. I didn't know what to expect. And so I remember the first time I ever entered in to any show, I got denied. And it didn't bother me. I think it bothered me at first, but then I realized why I got denied was the work that I had sent in. I just sent in, uh, you know what Mississippian uh, style artwork is, like the old motifs and stuff? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just did a just silver copper and uh brass little uh mississippi and mound type uh gorgettes that's all i did for the cherokee art market nothing like that would be more appealing to the crowds with stones and all that stuff you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i did what i thought the cherokee art market was looking for just cherokee art not knowing like cherokee style of silversmith you know what I mean? Where I was just trying to do like Cherokee images on silversmithing because I didn't know that these art markets, they look, they're open to everything and they were looking for everything. And so after that, uh, I got denied at the Cherokee art market and it, it, I was like, well, shoot, okay. And then I realized why and I was like, oh, well, shoot, well, it's too late now. But then I turned around and the same pieces that I got denied at at Cherokee Art Market, I entered those into Red Earth, which, uh, and I'm not saying nothing bad about Cherokee Art Market again, but I'm just, this is the truth. What happened? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I entered the same exact pieces into uh, Red Earth, which is an even larger, more well-known art market than uh, Cherokee Art Market, Red Earth is, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I got accepted immediately. And I wasn't even going to enter it, but my wife told me to. And uh, when I did that, they gave me, and they gave me an award, the first award I ever got called uh, the Emerging Artist Award at Red Earth. And Brother Red Earth changed my life as far as a Native artist. I'm going to be straight up with you, brother. Uh, The VA changed me as far as getting me introduced to uh, art, the VA hospital, through that recreational art therapy and uh, that World War II veteran, Mr. Anderson. But what got me really started with uh, Indian art markets, brother, and got my, and my start 
And what I'm so thankful to the creator for, they are what helped me with my artist career, truthfully, bro, was the Red Earth Art Festival. And I remember whenever they did that, at first, brother, I was about to hang up the hat and quit doing art shows after Cherokee Art Market turned me down. And this is just me having a real talk with you, you know what I mean? <laughs> because I was like, well, shit, well, because you don't mean to. And I want to tell everybody, don't give up if you get denied or turned down one time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't give up. But the, the man and me and the human, we're all human. It took a blow to my to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because that was the next thing I was devoting my concentration to from MMA to uh, doing that as therapy. And then I was like, well, shoot. And so it sucks to say it this way, but in a way we look, I was looking, I guess, for self-validation. Does that make sense? At least I'm trying to be honest with you. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? I was looking for self-validation through my artwork that I was doing something good, if that makes sense. And so, and I'm just trying to be real with you, man, because we can't be real then it's, you know what I mean? But, and so I try to do that. And then whenever I got that, the Red Earth, they, uh, my wife is the one that put me in for um, the emerging artist because I didn't want to do it. And when she put me in for the emerging artist, Red Earth called me and said, oh, you've been selected for the emerging artist award. Red Earth, they paved the way whenever, because once I got that award, man, it gave me, it rejuvenated that self-confidence. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Is they helped me out. They really, and not just me, there's other, uh, well, there's another well-known artist named uh, Tyler Shackleford. She's a, and if I mispronounce her name, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, she's a textile artist and she was a uh, emerging artist also. Um, for Red Earth one year and I won't even say Kristen Gentry I could be wrong but I believe that uh, she was one too you know I could be wrong in these names but I know that they are definitely artists that have been featured at Red Earth and they're amazing you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but uh, they really Red Earth really helped me out brother because it was like after I won that award it gave me that uh, self-esteem boost and not in my, and well, yeah, in myself, but also in my artwork, you know, where the, that was the first time I actually started looking at my artwork as something that could help me uh, support my family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas before I just, I'd be giving my jewelry out to family and friends just because it made me happy. That was the first time something really validated that my artwork was worth something to other people besides just me, if that meant, if that makes sense. And that's what changed everything, man. And then now here I am, and I just focus on the color guard for our veterans, the Cherokee Nation color guard, just taking care of our veterans and making sure they have proper burial services because none of all of them deserve to be properly buried. And so I just focus on that. 
our veterans, our Cherokee veterans, and our uh, and my art man and my family. And aside from that, I don't do nothing else. Mm-hmm. That's dope. I take man. that medical marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> That's I dope, joke, though. I joke and I, I try to be all relaxed and stuff, but you know. This is the real me, you know. So if I can't be the real me, then I'm not going to be fake. And so this is the real me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad Red Earth helped you realize that, you know, this this can help provide for you and your family. You didn't give up on it. So it's always good. You know, it's always good to just keep at it. I mean, that's, that's how it goes. I mean, like jujitsu, like you're not gonna choke someone out your first day because everybody that's everybody there has been going there. <laughs> you're gonna um, be doing those shrimps up and down the mat for a while till you get shrimping, to do Shrimping ain't easy. Right, right. <laughs> People always say, Oh, what you know about that shrimping? Oh man, what you know about that shrimping? <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I seen that, I was like what the hell is shrimping like? <laughs> but it's that. Yeah. yeah, it's just that escape. <laughs> but yeah, but it does. Yeah, work. yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta keep at it. Thank you for spending time with me and coming on the show. And, Appreciate um, you for having me, brother. Yeah, oh. man. Yeah, no problem. I enjoyed our time talking. Um, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, let the people know how to follow you. Oh, yeah, guys. And uh, y'all can follow me uh, directly on my personal Facebook page, uh, Stephen Morales. Uh, or you can uh, look up our uh, store of uh, Facebook page called Whirlwind Tales. It's a W H I R L W I N D T A I L S. And uh, we're all over. And uh, just let me know if we can ever do anything to help y'all out. And again, appreciate you, uh, Russell, and all that you do, brother. Man, yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. And everybody go check him out. Go follow him. Keep up with him. Check him out at Red Earth. And once again, thank you for coming on. Uh, everybody go check out Okie Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Our Heart Radio. It's everywhere. Check out the website, okiepodcast.com. And follow me on Instagram at Okie Podcast at Russellmus49. My personal is Russell Sunny. Go on Facebook and Okie Podcast is on Facebook as well. Till next time. Peace. Appreciate you guys.